One of the biggest issues, one of the biggest issues right now that, that church deals with and that society deals with is the issue of our sexuality in the context of relationships. We're going to have a conversation about sex today. And I thought about preparing, as I prepared for this, I was like, how many people remember the sixth grade talks? Everybody get a sixth grade talk? Remember how bad that was? Did, you didn't get a sixth grade talk? You're lucky. Because this is what they did for me in my sixth grade talk. My sixth grade talk, uh, a teacher that was unhappy came in and said, hey, the boys are going to stay here and the girls are going to go to another room. And you, you watch this animated thing that was drawn by like a Disney animator that was on crack. And you're like, what, what is this? Well, this is, this is sex. Like that? And even in my sixth grade mind, I'm going, that? That doesn't make sense. And society has always reduced the topic of sexuality and sex to the physical, constantly. It is the biggest um, push and, 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 and the most consistent of messages. And as I, I prepared for this, most of what I'm going to share is from Lusco's book, Swiping Right, from Hirsch's book, Redeeming Sex, a bunch of articles from a lady that is a friend of mine from Anderson University, and uh, just some experience. And so if you want something to read, those two books I would recommend. When I recommend a book, please don't think I recommend every word of a book. Did you know, Dave, on page 62, she said this? Okay. Human, you know. So so don't go to war with me on the book, but but it does. They both provide uh, some pretty robust views of of this from a biblical perspective. And so this morning, we're going to talk about what society says and what the Bible says. And they're profoundly different, profoundly different. You know, 100 million people are on a dating app. 100 million people use the computer to date. Holy mackerel. And, and, and we, can, we can look at that. And, and if you're my age, you dated before dating apps. God, I don't know what we did. You talked, yeah. And and I was in I was at, at a restaurant with a couple of friends who were on Bumble. Bumble's a dating app. And they're laughing. And I'm new and green to this, like like some of you are, and I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, we're swiping left and swiping right. Like you're doing what? Swiping left and swiping right. I'm like, tell me how that works. And 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 we were eating lunch and they're going, they're left, oh no, 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 no. Oh my gosh, yeah, swipe right. Okay, I have to see this. No, don't see this, Dave. You're just going to, I need to see this. Like, so t- talk to me about Bumble. It's like, well, you know, people put their profile pictures up. And I said, well, let me see a profile picture. So I looked at the first profile picture. It's this tan, ripped dude that has a lab, drinking a craft beer, kayaking, I don't know, hunting sharks. <laughs> I'm like, that's not realistic. Oh, yeah, that's realistic. All of them on Bumble are like that. They're all GQ models, but they're straight. You know, and I was like, you guys, this is swipe life, swipe left, swipe right. And 
I was fascinated by that because society has reduced sex profoundly. It has, well, maybe we're not going to get in a slide today. You guys need to see these slides, so we'll see if it's not going to work. Oh, well, we'll just read it out. Society has told us that sex is physical, that sex is casual, and sex is isolated, right? That's what, that's what society tells us in everything. You know, out of the 100 million people on dating apps, over half of them are on Tinder. Now, if you don't know what Tinder is, Tinder is a hookup site. Basically, it's a, it's a place where you can go and swipe right and hook up and swipe left and not. And it's reduced sex to the point that it's something that, that you, can, you can enter into a relationship and go out and you can have casual relationships with multiple partners and there's no costs involved because it's physical, it's, it's casual, and, and it's isolated. But society has done, or what society has tried to, to take this gift that scripture tells us is a gift, the church freaks out about it. So, so there, I came across this one quote, and, and I absolutely love this quote. It says, Life in Lubbock, Texas taught me two things. One is that God loves you, and you're going to burn in hell. The other is that sex is the most awful, filthy thing on earth, and you should save it for someone that you love. <laughs> Can't make that quote up. But if you've sat in church for a long time, if you were raised in church, you know that, that, that there's, this, there's this angst involved with it. You, you, you look at what has been written of, and, and, and you, you, when, when pastors talk about temptations, it's always sexual temptation. You know, and, and it's, it's almost like, well, God might have given it to Adam and Eve in the context of, of a male-female marriage, but right now in our world, it's, it's limited to Satan and his ploys, and he's going to use it to destroy people. And one of the things that we need to settle in our heads is sexuality is a gift from God. That God is very pro-sex. That's right. Turn to your neighbor and said, yeah, he just said that. And that humanity was created for pleasure. Well, that doesn't make, I can't agree with that. Well, if you look at scripture from the time of Genesis through Song of Solomon to humanity's basic anatomy, Humanity was created for pleasure by God, all right? A couple of things. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 2, 23 through 25. And this is why I'm talking about this, and I'll be really honest with you. Like most times, I suppose. Human sexuality, it causes so much brokenness in our lives. And as a pastor or as a counselor, someone that you talk to, I see the devastation on the backside. I see men and women coming to me going just shattered because of what they found themselves in or what they feel about. 
I've had marriages that I've counseled with people that have brought in multiple things in their life. Part of that is their the past sexuality. And it creates this, this amazing weight that is very difficult to wade through. And so as your pastor, I, I think if I was going to talk about relationships and not talk about sexuality, I would not have been genuine and not been, been willing to, to have an honest conversation with you. And we battled this. I, I Honestly, for me, I was like, ah, I don't want to talk about this. Let's just talk about prayer or something. And yet I know in my heart that, that, that just the stats show that, that, that we as a church, as a body of believers, struggle. Right? We, we, we take something that is, is gift-wrapped by God and we've opened it up in a different context and we wonder why there's brokenness. And so for me, what I want to do is I want to just present to you in the next 20 minutes a biblical perspective. That's it. It's too robust of a topic to cover everything. I'll tell you that straight up. Right? Everything that I read and everything, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't have room for that, 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 that. So at the end of this sermon, you're going to like, well, why didn't you talk about that? <laughs> because I didn't. Not because I have nothing to say about it or that I'm shy about it or that I have distinct opinions on it or don't have an opinion on it. It's just because of the space. So we're going to take an aerial view of human sexuality. We're not going to deal with subsets of that or, or break it down. If this is not a marriage seminar, you know, five easy way. It's just not going to do that. But we have to grasp the fact that, that our sexuality is something that God embedded in us at creation. That it is not something that the enemy said, I'm going to do this to you guys and just screw with you for the rest of your life. But that's how we sometimes, sometimes approach it. Right? So Genesis gives us a picture. It says, the man said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Right at the beginning, Genesis, God gives us a picture of sexuality. You peel back everything that society tells us about. You peel back all the dating apps and all the pictures and everything that you can find on the Internet. You tear back all the books and all the articles. That section of Scripture gives us a picture of what God intended. Where society tells us that it is, is physical and casual and isolated, Scripture tells us, that it is physical and emotional and spiritual. That you cannot engage in a sexual life without dealing with the physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of what you open yourself up to. That you cannot be a sexual being without addressing this. That makes sense? Even the act itself. Humanity is, is, is the only species that make love face-to-face outside of seahorses. Found that out. Don't know why. That's probably a question that you want to ask God in heaven. 
You guys will forget everything except, did you know seahorses? <laughs> you got to laugh, right? I mean, everyone's going, there's, some guys are sweating right now. They go, man, don't talk about that. When we're like, oh, God help Dave. My wife's stressing. So the way I diffuse stress is <laughs> throwing a joke here and there. Okay? But the physicality of, of, of sex is only one component of it. That it is a physical, emotional, and spiritual bond that happens between two people. That's why God closed it in the context of, of marriage. Because one, one author writes that everybody that we participate with this in, we bring that person into our marriage. Every partner that we've ever had, every experience that we've ever seen, everything that we've ever thought of, brings, we bring that bag into a relationship. And, and, and yet we... we and, Yet the context and, and the other side of that is it, it is not surprising that sex consumes a lot of our, our society's words. Sex sells. Right? Even if you look on the internet and you eliminate the entire concept of porn and just look at what's sold in books and articles and, 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 and tapes, it's, it is about how to be a better lover. I cracked up. When I was looking at this and I went into the, into the grocery store, headings in, in magazines, and not magazines on the top shelf behind anything. These are just like open up right before you buy your bread and your cheese, right? Got 10 minutes. Say yes to sex. Hot date night. Bring your bae closer. Bad girl sex. Sex tips so hot. And because we're in church, I can't read the rest. And find your sex wishes. So these articles simply reduce sex to a physical component, yet do never have I read an article or or saw a headline that deals with the emotional and spiritual ramifications of being sexually active outside of marriage. I don't read in this magazine or that magazine, like, hey, it's going to cost you. But it is a gift. It is a gift from God. And so to ignore it is to ignore something that God gave to us, yet to pretend that it is less than what it is is to be presented with a tool and go, oh, that's not going to leave a mark if I use it wrong. Right, sex in the concept of marriage is, is a phenomenal gift that brings intimacy and closeness. And there's such a thing as makeup sex. Any marriage couple knows that. But when we, when we devalue it, it just becomes something that chips away at our, our identity. It chips away at who we are. It chips away at, at what God intended us and at least fractured humanity. So Alan Hirsch or Deborah Hirsch in her book, Redeeming Sex, brings up some certain fundamentals, right? First, it is part of God's created order. Sexuality is part of, of God's created. It's how God made mankind. 
Right? It is not simply um, a biological imperative. Well, the reason sex is good is because we have to make kids or the earth's going to fall away. No. We're not cattle. We're just not. But because it's part of God's created order, we at times confuse what one researcher calls sexual or social sexuality with genital sexuality. We confuse social sexuality, which includes all of our relationships and the various levels of intimacy those relationships give us. With genital sexuality, which is limited to not only the physical act, but all the pitter-patter of falling in love. The arousal that happens when, I'm, when, 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 when you see someone you're physically attracted to. And we confuse the social aspect of gaining intimacy with someone, and we're like, well, man, I'm really close to that person, or I feel connection with that person, or I love being around that person, with, I better sleep with them. And, and that leap is dramatic, and it's not that far of a leap. Well, how'd you guys end up, like, like ending up being, being physically intimate? Oh, my gosh, we just, we're just meant to be together. Okay, I mean, you have to have sex? Well, that's what it says. No. We cannot negate the fact that, that God created us to have intimate relationships with one another relationships. And you can, uh, uh, and, and it's the term, social sexuality. And yet, it is not to be confused or misconstrued with the other. And, and, and when we find that it is, is something, we get messed up when we equate strong feelings that we have for someone with the need to escalate that relationship to a physical component. Like, oh, I'm in love. Young people are famous for this. I remember pulling, and this is, the, this, is, this is a horribly true story. I remember pulling a junior high girl out of a backseat of a VW bug behind Dairy Queen in the parking lot of the church I worked at as a youth pastor. I'm like, what are you doing? Love. Not love. Don't confuse what your body's doing with love. Who? And then the high school guy that she was with, because, of course, she's in junior high, and he's high school driving around this, I guess his parents' VW. Like, I'll, I'll break you in God's name next time I see you around this kid. Right, so sexuality cannot be confused or, or, or compartmentalized. So, so the next one is, is sexuality is embodied and not compartmentalized. Sexuality is embodied and not compartmentalized. First Corinthians, Paul writes, Do you not know that our bodies are members of Christ? Shall then I take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined with a prostitute becomes one body with her, for it is written as the two become one flesh? And you can read that section and go, oh, this is, don't, don't, get, don't go out and, and go to a brothel on, on Saturday. It's, it's not what it's saying. Right, so don't get wrapped up in the issue of prostitution. Get wrapped up in the issue of when you enter into a physical relationship, you can't 
compartmentalize it. You can't segment it off and say, like, what would you do Saturday? I just had sex. That it affects every aspect of your life. It affects every aspect of your life. It embodies everything that you are. That's why it's such a precious gift to a marriage. Because if I share that with someone that I am committed to the rest of my life and, I, and, and we enter into a physical relationship, it permeates everything about us. And yet when we, when we cut it up and we chunk it up into little pieces and go, well, I'm going to go to the bar on Friday and hopefully I'll hook up because I'm lonely, then that's that idea of I can just I can stick that in the back corner and it's never going to affect or permeate any other aspect of my life. Yet sex at its core, sexuality at its core permeates the whole person. It is a holistic approach. That's why it's so so intimate and, and, and so attractive and so enjoyable. That makes sense? Are you guys with me? Are you okay? You need to talk to your neighbor and go, oh, how much time he's got left? Eight minutes. Got eight minutes. Take a breath. Check your neighbor. Is she breathing? Are he breathing? Okay. Good. But on top of all this, sexuality is broken. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. So even what God had intended and gifted Adam and Eve at the beginning of creation before sin entered into the picture, and that picture gives us an illustration of what was intended, we operate in a broken world. We operate in a world that's jacked up. Sorry. And that affects this part of our life. It affects it. It skews it, it perverts it, it, it creates these images and expectations that are not real. And society does that, right? I mean, if you go back to the grocery store and you're either like, <laughs> trying to be like totally somewhat politically correct today and I'm, I'm utterly failing with what I'm thinking. Um, if you look at the magazine articles, Ladies, you should be able to discover the best lover out there. And men, you should be the best lover out there. Four pages in, you're good. And, and, and the brokenness of humanity has created a level of expectation that is unrealistic. Because the expectation resides only in the physical and not in this emotional and spiritual component that God intended it to reside in. Right, so, who wrote this? I, this is another quote. Romantic love. Oh, this is the other one. So we, talk about, we talked about uh, compartmentalize. The other one is sex. Duality is deceptive. Sex makes you completely blind and deaf to the, your partner. Makes you blind and deaf. Right? Romantic love is more likely to heighten one's capacity for deception, not lower it. I must be in love. Why? Because we hooked up on Friday. Okay. Sex makes you blind. Going back to the idea of, 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 of in the context of marriage, sexual intimacy is great healing. But in the context of dating... <laughs> Sex makes you oblivious to the flaws of the partner that you've decided to be with. Why? Because you're having sex. 
C.S. Lewis writes that every human love at its heights has a tendency to claim for itself divine authority. Oh, this is so amazing. God must have brought us together. I feel so close to this person. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this. Let me help you with that. The ability to be physically intimate with someone outside the context of marriage is basic biology. It is not this radical gift that God has always brought you this person and you two just click physically together. Please, we're more intelligent and honest than that. At least here. When we go back out there, y'all can tell yourself what you want, but in here, let's be honest enough to go in the context of, of being alone with someone or, or someone that I'm attracted to, and I begin to fall into sexual sin or temptation, that's that somehow a confirmation of my connection with that individual? It's not a confirmation of anything but biology. Sorry. Okay, so check with your neighbor. That was harsh. Sorry. It's mean. I'm mean. It's because I worked all yesterday in construction. Upstairs, nailing wood. If I didn't have work day, I wouldn't have been so mean to you all today. Right? When, love, when one is in love, one always begins by deceiving oneself, and one always ends by deceiving others. That's what the world calls romance, Oscar Wilde. <laughs> love that. So sexuality needs a chaperone. Our sexuality to be navigated in this broken world needs Jesus Christ. We have a mediator that stands at the right hand of the Father. We have a counselor in the Holy Spirit that talks sense to us when we forget. Need somebody to stand and talk some sense into us. Because our world gets us skewed. God framed this gift in a, in a specific way. And when we turn back to Genesis, we, we, we have a, a, a picture of this being housed in the context of a husband and a wife, the context of a lifelong committed relationship called marriage. And the world might tell us that that's, well, that's uptight and re- repressive and regressive and, you know, I'm enlightened and, and, and I don't need your religious gobbledygook. I don't even know how to spell that word. But how can such a gift, when used in not its proper context, create such brokenness that doesn't need Jesus? To me, it's that simple. How can an amazingly wrapped gift brought in the context of something very specific, when used apart from that, create such shattered humanity? And, and, and that's kind of where I'd like to leave you this morning. As society tells us that that sexuality and sex is, is strictly physical and it's strictly casual and it's strictly isolated. That's where we all have friends that swipe right and laugh about it. But sexuality at, at, at its core is physical and it is emotional and it, it is spiritual. That, that's where we need to, to breathe a little bit. Does that, is Dave saying, well, you better hurry up and get married? God, no, don't do that. If you're single, remain single. 
So you, you discover the person that God has for you. Do not hear me say rush into marriage because the only marriage that is worse than a bad marriage is one that you rushed into. And what does, what does sex ha- happen there? If sex creates a level of, of inability to see accurately, if I am sexually engaged in an individual, and then I go to church and the pastor says, hey, that's only operating in, in, in the context of marriage, and I, but I'm not going to give that up, so I'm going to go buy a ring, go buy a Cracker Jack box, get a ring, give it, say ID so I can go back to do this, this event. <laughs> don't do that. God bless you, young. Don't do that. Admit your loneliness, admit your needs, admit whatever you need to do, but do not rush into something that is a lifelong commitment. Acknowledge the fact that the physical activity that you're engaged in is putting blinders on the reality of the person you're spinning with. I crack up when I talk to, to, to people con- thinking about getting married, and I begin to pose questions to those couples that are sexually active. And I'm like, I never thought about that. Well, stay out of bed for a couple weeks, and you'll be, dis- you'll be shocked at the person that you find yourself dating. Everybody hear that one? Because what that does is like, oh my gosh, it's like you put on this, you get new contacts. Everything is all fuzzy and then you get a new contact. It's like, oh my God, who are you? I'm that person that you find really attractive. Yeah, but, but who are you? Who are you? And to be in a committed relationship requires not to find yourself, whether you're physically compatible with another. That's another thing I crack up about. Well, you never know if you're physically compatible unless you... Please! That's good. Basic anatomy. Everything works. But you have to discover who you're with. And it's very difficult to discover the intimacy and the gift that God brought you in a person if you're constantly engaged in physical activity apart from marriage. So how do you do this? As basic and blunt as it is, it makes sense. Take first the kingdom of God, Matthew tells us, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first his kingdom. Build a relationship with him. Make yourself the person that the other person deserve. Make yourself into the person through God that the other person deserves. And all this stuff will be added unto you. Because it is intended by God to be given as a gift. 